Keeping it real with Phil Gordon. Welcome to Conversations. I'm Charles Kirkland, and this is one of my favorite times of the month. You know, I, I, I get an opportunity to sit down in front of some of the wonderful creative talent that we have right here in the in the city. And a lot of people just don't really know the wealth of talent that we have. And so today, I have with me a, a multiple Emmy Award winner. She's a producer. She's a director. She's currently working at the Human Rights Campaign, where she produces and supervises vid- the produ- production of video content for the LGBTQ plus community. Uh, she's a senior producer has been at Maryland Public Television. She's got a BA in journalism right here from the University of Maryland and also an MA in gender and media from George Washington University. She's worked as a, she's won the Communicator Awards, Emmy Awards, Davy Awards, W3 Awards, and now she's here and she's the filmmaker of the month for the month of August. I have with me wonderfully Amy Odin, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. This is a, a very fun way to spend an afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> a beautiful afternoon to spend inside. Uh, I don't sure. know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if you've ever watched the show, if you ever heard it, the first question I ask everyone that comes in as the filmmaker of the month is, tell us what it means to you to be named the filmmaker of the month for the month of August. I mean, it's a really, like, nice way to be recognized by the town that I have spent most of my life in. Um, I think, you know, for me, like, I feel more connected to D.C. than any place else that I've ever lived. I've spent, like I said, the majority of my life in and around D.C. Um, So it is a really, just like a lovely... A nice, it was a nice surprise in my inbox, you know? (laughs) I was like, oh, well, that's like a... That's a that's a really lovely little treat. You did, know? You, did you know that there was such a thing as a filmmaker the prior so, to this? I do know a few other folks who have been honored in the last couple of years. So I, I knew that it was a thing that existed. Um, but I had not entertained the possibility that I was like at that point in my career. I guess it's like, you know, you don't really like think about where you're at necessarily <laughs> or like what things might be available to you until they like land. Well, Surprise! Congratulations! I know. I was like, I was like, oh, that's nice. You know. And so, so for for you, you're a native DC. You've been here most of your life. Yeah, I've been here since I was ten. And so, you have a different perspective, I think, than some people who have come have been transplanted from other areas and come into the into the city. So, uh, tell us what it means. I mean, to have a local perspective for for you as in, in what you're creating. Yeah, that's funny. I feel like. For me, like, in some ways, I have kind of always been, like, embedded in the local. But at one point in my career, I was like, I have to make a film about something that has national implications. Or, like, I'm going to go overseas and, like, do this other stuff that's connected to, like, other places and other people. And, like, I think, you know, it's like people always say, you write what you know. And I think that that, like, (laughs) kind of extends to, like, a variety of different artistic practices. And so... Well, I feel like I have like done work that is in all of those scaled up, scaled down capacities, like reflecting the community that I have been in the longest and like 
and know more instinctively and I'm like more tied to is yeah. something that's super important to me, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, and looking at your, the, the span of the films that you've created, uh, that you've worked on everywhere from, um, a heroin addiction, I think it was, to uh, sex workers in Guam. And I mean, how do you come across what you want to deliver? And and, and it, are there assignments that are given to you or things that you just run into, stories that you feel like, uh, where do you, where do you, tell us about yeah, your... You're like, how does it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a variety of things, right? Like I've been very lucky to spend like most of my career, quote unquote, in like media making in some capacity. And so then simultaneously, I've always worked on independent projects. So the independent projects are always my own and I own them and they come from my own brain and my own, you know, people that I see or I'm excited by or want to work with. Um, and then there are stories and topics that I wind up getting assigned, like the opioid um, project that I worked on for about a year yeah. at MPT. That was a project that was the product of a grant that the station had received from the Department of Health. Um, and so, yeah, I think like finding interesting people and places and ideas within <laughs> bigger concepts is like something that I've always been lucky enough to be able to pursue within my work. So, yeah, I mean, but the <laughs> but the genesis, like the idea always comes from somewhere, right? Like whether yeah, it springs yeah. from my mind or I get handed something from somebody that's like, cool. oh, you have to do a story about drag queens, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you, um, is it, I, I'm, I'm just assuming that it's freer to be an in, independent, make it yourself and find your own things. But it's also kind of, can be kind of harder because you don't have like the concrete, somebody gives you a story that you work on. You just have to find things. Yeah, I mean, you just have to find things. I mean, you're, you're saying like the exact thing, right? It's like, it's easier in the sense that you can kind of like feel around for where the story is going and work on your own schedule and like it can be as edgy as you want it to be right I mean like there for somebody who's spent like chunks of my independent work like with sex workers and drag queens and people who are struggling with addiction and like all kinds of other like marginal folks yeah like you can do what you want and be able to kind of like make the story the way that you feel it should be made. Yeah. But I think the obvious drawback is that you don't have the money. <laughs> um, so like, even though it's like somebody is handing you like an idea or like the kernel that you have to kind of like crack open to get into, like being able to have the privilege to sit with like a salary and think about an idea and get paid to do that is right. like, that's a, a serious privilege, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you're funded by like MPT or IDA or someplace mm -hmm. like that, I'm sure that's helpful, but is it is it hard to find funding in the, in the city? I think it's hard to find funding in the U.S., mm -hmm. right? Like yeah. as an independent artist or an independent film person, it's like one of the things that I remember hearing at, it was like a conference or some kind of film festival, like breakout, you know, working group session, like a number of years ago was like somebody who was there who I think worked in funding for Al Jazeera was like, I am so sad every time I talk to people that are like my American colleagues because y'all need to fight for scraps Yeah, in like the yeah. grant and funding economy in this country is just like 
I mean, we say it, you know, until we're blue in the face, but like, we really don't value the arts and we don't fund the arts. You're right. Um, You're right. So it's always first on the cutting block everywhere you look. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I think like a lot of folks, myself included, have had to get a little bit unconventional and like the funding <laughs> approaches, right? It's like the Kickstarter is a great, a great tool. Um, I think even small like micro grants from family foundations or like what people call like angel donors. Yeah. Um, yeah. Stuff like that has really been helpful to me over the years. I mean, and the Guam project, like I literally, I knew a woman who connected me with her family and her family, her, her mom was like a person who had some money and was like, I enjoy like helping to fund women in the arts. Tell me about your project. And I told her about my project and she was like, yeah, I'll help you with a plane ticket. Wow. So it's just like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Truly, like, having no shame. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, like, being able to talk to folks about an idea is, like, yeah, has been really helpful to me. But, yeah, formal fundraising is, it's tough. Yeah, yeah. So you you mentioned Sex Workers in Guam, which is a film is called Exotic. Mm-hmm. And I was fascinated by that piece. It was really composed well, in a, in a manner that I was like, uh, I didn't really think about it the, this way. Um, what uh, you're in Guam, and it's supposed to be like such a beautiful, wonderful land, and and then you see the kind of seedy side of of the land. But uh, how what was it like putting that together? Yeah, that was like probably the wildest project that I feel like I've ever worked on. <laughs> like it's one thing to be like. I'm just going to stay in D.C. and film drag shows and, like, hang out with my friends who are doing this art. And, like, that's one thing. But, yeah, Guam, that was a wild ride. So, basically, the the idea for that project came about when a friend of mine who I was on a road trip with was, she mentioned to me that she had considered taking a, a contract to go dance in Guam. Wow. And it had never occurred to me that, like, <laughs> you could travel and be a dancer or that you could travel like like voluntarily travel to like essentially work in like certain parts of like what people refer to as the sex sector or the sex industry right 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 and so i was just like what and then i just like honed in on it and became really like focused on i mean it's it's yeah. a, it's a wild idea yeah <laughs> And so then I like, yeah, just made connections and met people and like met women who had been there before and met club owners and met folks who had gone like in the 70s. Like I just like, like Guam (laughs) itself is a very specific place. Yeah. And I think there's like a lot of, it's interesting because there's a specific colonial history also like there. And so it makes a lot of dynamics specifically within like the sex sector and the sex industry like more maybe visible so it was interesting (laughs) but yeah it was it was um a super unique place to hang out for a year um (laughs) like strip clubs or no strip clubs like it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty cool it's a pretty cool place it's a very unique island um I would I was a chapter of my life that I would totally go back to do over again (laughs) if if you go back to make a sequel I'll 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 join you man for real (laughs) it's a beautiful place it's like a a really beautiful wild place and I like the way you said wild put that in there because it is beautiful (laughs) and then it's wild at the same time well it's like where else do you 
you know of that has like, oh, an overpopulation of brown tree snakes and like beautiful coral reefs and like <laughs> a, like government buildings that feel like, I don't know, Miami in the 70s where there's right. like everything is stucco and there's no air conditioning and like, you know. It, it, a building that looks like they just had a poll about the ugliest buildings in the city and uh, Herbert Hoover came oh, up yeah. and I'm like. That looks like Guam. <laughs> it's like a concrete building. It, it does yeah. look like a plain concrete building. Yeah. So let's talk about Lucy and Annie for a second. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, another very beautiful, tender uh, composition that you did. Um, how how did you come across that story? Yeah, so that they were, they're just such sweet people. Yeah. Um, Lucy and Annie, uh, last summer or... Well, before the pandemic, actually, I got I was awarded a scholarship from Women in Film and Video, which is good friends of ours, a yeah. great org, yeah, <laughs> um, that I've been a part of for many years. Um, to go to the Maine Media Workshops, which um, are like in Mid Coast Maine, and it's it's one of these like kind of artist retreat type postgraduate um, educational facilities where like you just get to go and fully focus on your art and your craft for like a week. Um, cool. Yeah, there are folks that stay for longer and do like MFA programs and other things like that. But I was just there doing this observational cinema class for like a week. And it was a really nice like place and way to be able to just like focus on one thing, which is like not what <laughs> most of us get to do in our daily lives. And so I had said to myself when I was going up there, I know I'm going to have to shoot and edit something that I would like to put together into something coherent. And I talked to some of the folks that I know at the Human Rights Campaign, where I work in my professional day job. Uh, and I said, you know, who do you know in Midcoast Maine who's been like involved in the movement for LGBTQ plus equality? Like, can you put me in touch with folks like how can I film something that's like, you know, pretty and substantive? Um, and they put me in touch with Lucy and Annie and they were just so lovely and like open with me and like immediately invited me to their house. And I said, you know, you're not going to be bothered by me hanging around y'all for three days. And they were like, no, please, like totally gracious and, and really accommodating and sweet. And yeah, then like let me film them and film their story of like, working for marriage equality in the state. And so I put it together for class initially. Oh, and this was a class project. This was essentially oh, okay. a class project at Maine Media <laughs> Workshops, which is like, you know, like I'm like a quote-unquote mid-career professional at this yeah, point. Yeah. Like I, no one's getting any grades, you know what I mean? And I'm not getting like a diploma. But anyway, I was just like, oh, this might have legs. Like we should, I should submit it to the PBS Film Festival. And they picked and it they up. Picked it and picked it up. Yeah, so it's been a nice thing. It was really sweet, and by the time it was over, it's, it's only six minutes, a little yeah. over six minutes, and uh, when it was over, I was like, that's it, I want more. <laughs> I like these ladies. I'm sure they would have put up with me for longer. <laughs> they were so sweet. As a documentarian, how do you know when you've gotten to the point where I've got enough, this is the story I'm going to tell, and... and or, or, or is there ever a point that you feel like you've gotten enough... No, I mean, it feels like I, I feel like there's a lot of like correlations between like documentary practice and then like, you know, writing a term paper or something. And you're like, I could research a term paper forever. Like, yeah. I don't want to start writing. And like, I think the the analogy with documentary is like, I could keep filming. Like, I will follow you with a camera. <laughs> like, 
I think with some stories, like, definitely there will be, like, an end point that I have in mind. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, going into it, like... The Pussy Noir Project, for instance, it's like I knew she had like a final show and I knew that we were filming Lean Lean Up to the final show, you know? Right. But like there are other, yeah, you kind of have to like have a story arc in mind when you when you set something up because otherwise I will just keep showing up, you know? <laughs> will she ever leave? <laughs> I know. She keeps coming back. I love I love the fact that you will segue everything for me because I wanted to talk about the, 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 the Pussy Noir project. Yeah, sure. Um, and, and it's called The World According to Pussy Noir. Yeah. And, and tell us who she is and what she's done and why she's important, why you want to do the film. Oh, man, she's amazing. I met her a few years ago when I was working on Lipstick and Leather, which is like another short that I did that um, PBS Real South picked up um, that was about like a couple alt-track artists in D.C. and kind of their my little story arc in that, which was like not as important (laughs) as like the profile component, but like um, they were trying to like break out into Baltimore and I was like, that'll be my story arc. But really it's just an excuse to profile them. Okay. But anyway, she was in that film um, because she was like sort of in the drag artistic soup in DC and she's somebody that performs with those folks and is regularly like build with those folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought that she was really, I mean, first of all, her performances are incredible. Like she has this very like, chic androgynous vibe she's always incredibly well dressed she's just like very well read and like really has a well-rounded understanding of like history and drag and fashion and all of these things and how they intersect within five minutes of meeting her she will tell you that she went to sarah lawrence so i must also mention it um but she's just like got a very deep knowledge around all of these things and she's a very compelling and like fun person to be around um And then she got this fellowship at the Kennedy Center. And it is the first time that the Kennedy Center has had a drag artist as an in-house fellow, which is also pretty impressive, if you ask me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I was like, okay, so you're doing this fellowship project. And I started to kind of like hound her. (laughs) I was like, I "I know that you're going to have like some incredible thing that you do at the end of this fellowship. So we're going to film parts of this. And she sort of was like, sure, yeah, whatever, you know, come over. And like... I started filming a little bit here and there and then I was just like, nah, it's going to be about this final project because this final project was like an entire fashion show of like couture fashion that she designed and made and fitted and like had shown some pieces of before to sort of test things out and like, Hmm. but she's incredible. She's just like this multidisciplinary like juggernaut. Like she does like styling for different like stage performances and she herself does stage performances. So she's just like all over the place. Nice. And she's for sure like on her way up in many ways. (laughs) Um, And I was just lucky enough to be allowed to hang out with her during the course of that year. Just witness the whole process. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. So this one isn't finished yet. We've already talked a little bit off. Uh, How far along are you? How much more do you have left? I'm so close to being done. (laughs) 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 You didn't have to whisper it. I'm like, it's so close. (laughs) She's like, almost there. The finish line. I see it in the I know, I can see it. It's like right there. Um, I have, I'm at the fine cut stage, I would say. Good, um, good. So the edit is mostly done. It's about 24 minutes and give or take a little bit. But um, yeah, I have like, 
usually what I'll do is like I'll get to a fine cut and then you like sort of take a break from it and then you go back with fresh eyes a little yeah, while later yeah. and you're like, okay, no, I, I do like that shot. I guess I should keep it. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm there with it. And so I'm talking to some color folks and some sound folks about ways to finish, to quote unquote, finish the project. Mm-hmm. Um, so to get like a professional set of eyes on the color and on the sound. Okay. Um, Folks that are more techie than me, um, <laughs> and then um, it'll be it'll be ready. Uh, so hopefully that won't take so too long. So we'll see it on the festival circuit real soon. Yeah, I think probably in early 2024. I believe. Okay, that's, that's what I think we're going for. I'd like to get it into what's called picture lock for the color um, in September. All right, so we're closing out the interview, and the last couple things. First, I'd like to ask: Are there uh, if you want someone to wanted to see your work or or how would somebody get in contact with you if they had an idea or wanted to see your work? Where, where could they reach out to you? Sure. Um, so I have a website, filmsbyamyoden.com. Um, they can also go and look at the video work of the Human Rights Campaign because that's where I'm currently spending most of my time <laughs> and my creative energy. Um, but yeah, that, if they want to get in touch with me directly, it's filmsbyamyoden.com. All right, and the last question is, are there any shout-outs or thank-yous that you want to give right now to anyone who's helped you or directed you along the way? Oh, my God. I'm like, let me get my scroll. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, you know, obviously, just because we're just immediately before this talking about it, Pussy Nara is, like, an amazing artist, and I'm so glad that she's been collaborating with me on this project, and I'm very lucky to have been working with her. Um Melissa Houghton and Women in Film and Video, always at the top of my mind. My parents, always. <laughs> my wonderful girlfriend. Like, you know, anybody who's, like, supported or watched anything over the years. It is super surprising and validating and lovely to have folks Absolutely. tell you that they've seen your work. So Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you, Amy Ode, and congratulations again for being the <laughs> Filmmaker you. of the Month for August 2023. Yeah. And we look forward to seeing more of you. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Oh,